Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. So good to have you here with us today on episode 313. We've got a great show for you today. I mean, they're, they're all great, right? Can, can, are, yeah, yeah, they're all great. We're going to just go with that. Uh, and today, actually, we're kicking off a brand new series highlighting student success stories from students who work with uh, the Speaker Lab. So can't wait to share these uh, amazing speakers with you. I believe these are, if you as you listen to these, that you're really going to learn a lot of things from their stories. You're also going to be inspired to keep pressing on in your own speaking journey. So our first speaker in this series is Chris Rudin, who speaks to corporations and nonprofits on diversity and inclusion uh, with a focus on the disability and diabetes space. It's one of the things I love most about Chris's story is that there was a time when speaking wasn't even on his radar. He, he thought it was like this unattainable dream job, but he didn't think it was a legitimate possibility as a as really a full-time profession. And so you're going to hear what changed for him, why he fell in love with speaking, how many free gigs he actually did before getting paid, and just what his speaking career looks like today. This is a really fun episode. Let's get right into it. Here is my conversation with the Speaker Lab student, Chris Rudin. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Today, we're going to be talking with Chris Rudin, who is a uh, successful speaker and uh, just all-around good guy. So, Chris, thanks for uh, hanging out with us today. We appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. You bet. You bet. So, first of all, uh, one of the things that we want to highlight is we want to talk through your story, but just let's, let's go to the uh, the end first, and then we'll kind of work our way backwards. So, give us some context of who you speak to, what's the problem that you solve, uh, and then we'll, we'll kind of work our way to how you got to this point. I speak to primarily corporations and nonprofits, believe it or not. I speak on overcoming adversity, diversity, and inclusion, especially in the disability and diabetes space. Okay. Why, why those topics? I have a disability. I was born with a uh, limb difference, and I, was, I had most of my hand amputated when I was born. And at 19, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which is an autoimmune disease. Wow. That was like my wake-up call for me to do something, and uh, I did something. Yeah. And luckily, I'm on the path that I want to continue for the rest of my life. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. And so how much speaking are you doing today? Is speaking just kind of one slice of pie of a bunch of different things that you're doing? What does the business look like at this moment? So I have to start a little bit before then. You know that secret question when you have like a website, like what's your secret question to remember your password? Yeah. Mine was what's your dream job? And I put speaker as like a distant secret, never going to happen type thing. Yeah. Now I do that for a living full time. That's yeah. my full focus last year i did i believe 42 events i counted yesterday that's cool 42 events um and i've been doing this for about maybe three and a half four years okay last year was my serious year though that's cool that's wild all right um all right so let's backtrack a little bit so uh how did you first get interested in speaking in the first place it was a mistake yeah <laughs> so um i talked a lot in school and mm -hmm. i got in trouble for speaking yeah 
now I get paid to do that. And my parents just won't let that go. They think that's the most <laughs> hilarious thing in the world. Um, growing up with a disability, you know, I struggled with body image issues and yeah. depression and a bunch of other things. But basically, I knew I was different. But I always had this natural lack for like just some sort of leadership or wanting to be in the front. Mm -hmm. I, I stood out and that was my way of hiding, to be honest. I hid my disability for 17 years, but I still wanted to help people in the process of helping myself. Yeah. For me, I fully believe that you teach best what you need to learn most. Yeah. And that was my motivation to do something. You know, I didn't know really what I wanted to do, but speaking for me is just, it, it's a way to give someone a concept that allows them to change their perspective, which is the one thing you can control. Yeah. We can't control all these crazy variables, but for me, giving people that concept was like, man, I can actually do something. I can give people control when I never felt like I had control my entire life. Yeah. So it's the most rewarding career I could ever imagine. And I'm so glad to be doing what I'm doing now. Were you, uh, but it sounds like you weren't necessarily on that path all along. It was just kind of like this distant dream. So what were you doing prior to speaking? Okay. So originally I wanted to be a lawyer. I was in political yeah. science and criminal justice because I love arguing with people. Absolutely. Love it. it was like my favorite pastime. And I realized that that's not a good reason to become a lawyer. Yeah. So I switched to exercise science, believe it or not. Okay. Having a disability, I had to learn how to adapt constantly. And I did it so much that I started helping other people do that. I got my degree in exercise science. I built this successful fitness business using social media and all this stuff. But it just... I got to the point where I feel like I capped out and I was like, what's, ne what's next? Yeah. I really loved helping people with fitness because for me, fitness was a step into confidence, which was an emotional thing, which was the real, that was the real point of everything. Yeah. So, all right, if I love that concept, how could I reach more people and employ my like natural desire to speak? I found speaking by accident through a friend and it just took off from there. What was that like as far as like finding it from a friend? How, what, tell us more about that. So I, I'm a competitive weightlifter. I hold a world record for powerlifting just as a person with a disability, which I thought that was cool, but that's just a hobby. You know, it, it's cool, you know, but at the end of the day, that doesn't pay the bills and that doesn't really give me the full fulfillment. But it still sounds cool to say on a podcast. The world record for... Deadlift as a person with a disability. How much was it? People, 675 pounds. <laughs> Lord, yeah. 675 pounds. And again, we're, this is an audio podcast, so people can't see. But you have, you have one arm. I have one hand. This is a like, cool prosthetic. You guys can probably hear it. It is pretty cool looking. Yeah. That's um, pretty legit. I, yeah, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty legit. For $150,000, it better be legit. But <laughs> <laughs> I basically have a Lamborghini on my arm. But if you don't have a Lamborghini on my arm, don't worry, because uh, I just got this about a year and a half ago. My entire life, I, I did this without anything. So, uh, and so, I got, so, you, so you're... Are you, uh, was it half, amputated from basically the elbow down? About halfway up. So I have a okay. residual limb as well. Um, yeah, I, the powerlifting is cool. I love it. It's still something I do as a, as a hobby, but I knew that, that I needed more than that. Mm -hmm. You know, a buddy of mine runs a nonprofit called Bolus and Barbells, which is for diabetes, type 1 diabetes. And he's like, hey, man, we don't have a speaker for our event. I'm like, okay. So he's like, would you speak? I'm like, you mean at your event? Like, yeah live yeah i was like oh man this is no this is crazy i ended up flying out to texas and i delivered my first ever closing keynote and seeing people cry and laugh and react and just the aftermath of speaking the the real conversations happened after the stage you know yeah but 
seeing that position, I fell in love with it. I got addicted to every single aspect of speaking and delivering value and having impact. And I started studying the art of communication and speaking. I just fell in love with the speaking. I, I perfected my speaking, joined Toastmasters, joined NSA, joined everything I could, watched yeah. every video I could on YouTube. And I was like, what makes a good speaker great? Yeah. And I started breaking those things down, watching some of your videos, the speech breakdowns, which I yeah. love. Um, I fell in love with that concept and I really pushed it. I started getting gigs and I was doing, you know, so many gigs every month, but they were free. Yeah. Because nonprofits love to uh, position you in a way that's like, hey, feel bad for us. Please speak, you know. And I did about 30 events for free. Okay. 30 straight events. Luckily, that established myself as a speaker in that space. But there is much easier and more effective ways to do that. And it wasn't until I started, like, talking with you and started, like, looking in the speaker lab that I realized, like, oh, man, I've kind of been doing things maybe not wrong, but definitely not as efficiently as I should have been. Yeah. Okay. I want to go back to the event that you did in Texas. So this buddy asked you to do this, do the speaking gig. You're kind of caught off guard at that point. Uh, was speaking like one of these things that, that was on your radar of like, yeah, I would love to do this at some point. Or is this just like, I'd never really thought of it. And like, uh, but when he mentioned it, like, yeah, I, you know, I'll help a friend out. And that's when it kind of lit or where, what was kind of the, the timeline there? I think, I think it was a distant dream. It was one of those things that like, how awesome would it be to be considered an entertainer and make millions of dollars? You know, sure. like, or how awesome would it be to win the lottery? Like it was one of those type of dreams. Like it would be cool if it happened, but I wouldn't be hurt if it didn't. Yeah. Um, so my whole goal was fitness. You know, I just wanted to do fitness. Now I don't even speak on fitness. Yeah. So it's crazy how we kind of change courses, you know, and certain opportunities present themselves, but I didn't even know I wanted this as much as I do. Yeah. So I'm very thankful that I took that opportunity, even though it wasn't paid, even though it was, you know, to a very start, but it made me realize what I truly want in life is not the fitness is not the fame. It's not anything like that. It's the ability to deliver impact in front of one person or 3000 people. Yeah. But why speaking? Because the, because there, there's so many people who um, I'm interested in making an impact and helping people and making some type of dent or difference in the world. And speaking is a vehicle to do that. But there's a lot of ways you could go about doing that. And, and, and it sounds like, like you had been doing that a little bit like through what you were doing with, with health and fitness. So why, like, why speaking? What about it resonated with you? I truly believe if I have 30 to 60 to 90 minutes, I can help you come up with the perspective that you already know you need. I truly believe that on stage, I can be the person I wish I had growing up. Mm -hmm. And if one person gets some sort of like, I wish I would have heard the things that I'm talking about now yeah. growing up with a disability, growing up feeling like I was broken or weak or because of, I was different. And I noticed that everyone is different. Everyone has some sort of hardship, whether you're a CEO, you know, I've spoke to CEOs, I've spoke to kids, I've spoke to so many different groups. And I understand there's a core concept of struggle and I understand that. And I can't teach you struggle any better than you already know, but I can help you ask the right questions to help you have a better life. You know, yeah. I believe people deserve a better quality of life and speaking gives me that platform where I feel like I'm most effective. Very cool. So you do the gig in Texas, you love it. And I, there's so many speakers, myself included, who have that experience of one of the first like legit gigs that you do, you know, where it feels like, oh, dang, that went really, really well. And you're feeling like what so many other speakers have felt and are feeling that I want to do more of this. How do I do this again and again and again and again? 
So you mentioned like, okay, now I started joining a couple things. I started watching a lot of videos, but doing some of those things was just like, just learning to become a better speaker is good, but it doesn't necessarily help you to automatically book more gigs. So what did you do from there to start actually booking gigs? And, and like, just where do you go from that point? This conversation, I wish I would have had three and a half years ago <laughs> because I fully believed that if you learn how to become a better speaker, you will be, you will develop a better speaking business. And that's so far from the truth. I became, Why? because I became the best speaker I thought I could become, but just because you build it doesn't mean they'll come. Yeah. There's no business behind becoming a better speaker. There's business behind building a speaking business. Yeah. I feel like both need to happen. You do need right. to become a, a better speaker. That's a necessity. But also, it, once you become that better speaker, or as you're becoming that better speaker, you also need to position yourself. I was fortunate and also unfortunate. Sometimes opportunity is the worst thing that could happen to you. I started building a social media following in the diabetes space and in the disability space. So tons of people started reaching out to me to do events. I was like, oh man, I made it. I'm the best speaker in the world. Nice. I have so many opportunities at my feet. But what I didn't realize, those opportunities were taking away from my value because I wasn't getting paid for those events. Yeah. I didn't know my value. I didn't demand my value. I didn't know how to negotiate. I didn't know how to develop a pipeline. I didn't know anything about business. Yeah. I grew up in such a like poor family that the fact that I'm even getting flown out somewhere was incredible. That yeah. doesn't make sense to me. You know, and my family didn't really understand. But now I get the business side of things. I wish I would have started in the beginning, understand the business side of things because I would be farther ahead. I'm very appreciative of where I'm at now. Uh, but if I could recommend, and I do recommend to new speakers all the time, they always reach out to me like, hey, how can I do what you're doing? I'm like, let me tell you what worked, but let me also tell you if I could go back, what yeah. I would do. I didn't have a speaker's demo reel until last year. Yeah. <laughs> so I was sitting here selling speaking without any proof that I spoke. Yeah. So many things I could change, you know? <laughs> and as I was going through your course, I'm like, oh man, this makes so much sense. Why did I not do this? It seems like common sense, but it's really not for someone who's starting. Yeah. And even if you're not starting, it's one of those things. I felt like I was intermediate advanced, you know, until I realized, wow, there's a lot of business aspects that, that kind of limited my growth in the beginning. I didn't charge money. I didn't ask for money at all. There was one person who was like, so what's your honorarium? I'm on my phone, like Googling what honorarium means. Right. How do you spell They're it? Like, e. Yeah. I'm like, honorarium. What is that? Right. And he, he's like, uh, so what did you, what do you do for your honorarium? I'm like, oh, you know, you can just do what the last speaker did. Trying to be like nonchalant. <laughs> but they're like, all right, we're going to do $2,000. I'm like, yeah, it seems okay. In my head, I'm like, like is this, they're going to pay me $2,000? And you know, I've had gigs for 500 bucks. I've, from there, like it's been up and down. I think a lot of people feel like once you have a speaker's fee, it's just always that constantly. Yeah. That's not true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not true. Uh, for me, I take all kinds of gigs. So I'm to the point where I've built my fee up a little bit. You know, I haven't hit the 10,000 mark, but I've hit 7,500, which is cool. But yep. I still take gigs that are 1,000. You know, it's, yep. for yep. me, I get to run my business how I want and I determine where my value is. And that's what I love. Yep. But in the beginning, I just let people walk all over me. I didn't know how to follow up on leads. I didn't know how to ask people like, hey, can you give me a testimonial? I was like, why do I need that? You know? Yeah. There's a lot I, I would have changed. For <laughs> so now when, when, or even back then when someone would, hey, say, come, come speak. And the, the tension is, uh, we just genuinely enjoy speaking. 
Like if we were independently wealthy, if money was no object, like I just speaking is fun, right? But at the same time, like we, you know, like we always joke about, like we want to eat and live indoors. So how do you start making that transition to, I did a whole bunch of free things. I had a blast, but I'm broke and this is not sustainable and I got to do something else here. So someone pays you, you know, 500 bucks or that first one for, or one for a couple thousand dollars. Uh, but again, how do you, how do you continue to duplicate that and recreate that and continue to consistently find gigs that are paying, especially like you mentioned, you're, you're potentially in a space where they're not used to paying for speakers they are used to, I don't want to say handouts, but they're used to people just doing it pro bono. Uh, and so how are you starting to make that transition to this is fun, but I need to turn this into a business. So I had to make that conscious decision on what kind of speaker I wanted to be. There are tons of speakers in the space, in different spaces, uh, in all spaces that are free speakers. Yeah. I fully believe there are people who talk and people who speak. I believe that some people tell their story and some people use their story as a vessel for the message. There's a big difference. And you can tell those kind of speakers. The speakers who just tell their story tend to fall into the either lower paid or don't, they just want to tell their story. Yeah. The people who use their story as a vessel for the true message tend to take that in a different route. That's what I've seen. For me, I had to establish some sort of dominance with these event planners. You know, I had to be like, hey, obviously you value me enough to want me to come back to your event. You see the value. And um, because I'm going from speaking as a hobby to speaking as a professional, I'm starting to charge this fee. I would do like old sales techniques that I, you know, learned before I learned any of the process. I was like, you know, usually I charge $2,000, but for you, I'll charge a thousand. You know, I tried to create this sense of urgency in a deal and that worked for a little bit, but I still couldn't break those higher fees to be super honest and like as transparent as possible. After that 2000 offer, everything was less than that. I didn't know how to get back to that because I was like, wait, they just offered that. Now when I'm asking for it, it's too much. And I realized I was servicing the wrong area. I was uh, going after the wrong event planners. I was going after the wrong events and I was going after the wrong people. So uh, I guess fast forward a little bit, as I kept trying to struggle and establish these relationships with these uh, events, I realized that I had to change my approach. I got creative and I started, you know, reaching out to sponsors. I started seeing if people would sponsor the keynote on top of them giving me whatever they could afford. So I would have them help me, you know, reach out, but that's all from events coming to me. I struggled to get events outreach. I had no outreach whatsoever. Yeah. I was constantly trying to go off like word of mouth and it was great when it's great. Yep. But then when it's terrible, you realize like I'm a terrible speaker. I'm never going to, you go through this spiral of like, I'm going to be broke. I need to go get a job at Taco Bell. Like I'm never going to, you know, this isn't going to make it. I'm obviously terrible. And you go through this like sense of like the the general entrepreneur's journey, you know? Yep. Yep. And uh, that's when I I feel like I needed help, you know? Hey friends, I got a question for you. Considering where you are in your speaking journey, what are your next steps to take your speaking career to the next level? If your answer is, I I have no idea or I have too many ideas, I don't know where to start, let me give you what I believe is the best next step that you can take. I want you to book a call with the Speaker Lab team today over at thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach to see if our personalized coaching program is right for you. We have helped literally thousands of speakers from all over the world find and book more speaking gigs, and we'd love to see if we could help you as well. 
Our personalized coaching program features done for you websites, done for you demo videos, weekly coaching calls, access to all of our educational content. We find speaking leads specifically for you and so much more. You've got the talent. You've got the drive. Let us give you the plan to execute. All you got to do is book your call today by going to thespeakerlab.com slash coach. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash coach. I was scared because a lot of programs, a lot of like different things, everyone wants to sell you something. Not many people want to help you. So uh, I was very weary. I didn't know really like where to go. Um, luckily, I found your podcast, which gave me tons of value and like things I was like, oh man, like that's so smart. Like create some sort of CRM, like organization. What is that? You know, yeah. I, for me, it was like, who do I email today? Who can I email <laughs> to help me? But, How did yeah. you first come across the podcast? Um, I was looking, I actually read... Was it Michael Port's Michael mm-hmm. Porter book? Uh-huh. Uh, Michael Port, yeah. And I found that I found his podcast, and then yours was recommended. So I went that saw you had a ton of them, and I saw some of the titles. I was like, man, that's so relevant to what I need to hear. Yeah, really good and concise. So I was like, let me use this as some sort of mentorship. And then I found that you had a program. I was like, I need to do it like the right way because I need to. I want to know my business like in and out before it wasn't even a business. And I feel like a lot of people think. This is a very unconventional job. I'm talking as a, uh, a relatively beginner speaker, but I, I feel like I've made my position to where I can charge five to $7,500 regularly and get that fee. This is an unconventional job for most people. Mm-hmm. When you tell someone what you do, they ask a lot of weird questions. Yeah. <laughs> That's the most, I, the, it's probably what the question I hate most when someone's like, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> right, right. How do I Open ex- a can of worms. How do I explain? Oh, like, like Tony Robbins. Everything is like Tony Robbins or like Eric Thomas. I'm like, kind of, but with less yelling and fire, you know? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, I needed to just invest and like take it as a business instead of just tell my story, you know? And I had no clue how to build that business. Yeah. So why the Speak Lab? So you started, you know, we started working together, um, but there's, you know, you can learn, you can learn speaking from going to uh, Toastmasters or, and you mentioned you joined NSA or listened to a bunch of podcasts, but why, why did you decide to ultimately uh, invest? It wasn't, it wasn't enough for me. Uh, I, for me, I believe that if you want to make something successful, I want this to be a majority of the rest of my life. I want to do this until the day I die. Eventually I want to teach speakers how to speak more effectively. That's my ultimate goal. Uh, similar to what you're doing, but not from the business side, more so the communication side. Sure. That's what I want to do. And for me, I have to jump in. If you want to take something seriously, like you need to be fully immersed into it in my perspective. So I needed to invest in it. I know that YouTube is free. There are so many resources you have on YouTube that you can learn so many things, even from yourself, but there's no accountability. There's no real structure. There's no community that I can rely on. Like Rick from your community helped me so much I can't even explain because even as a speaker that I felt like I was so established there was questions that would be asked and I'm like why can I not answer this question like oh what do you speak on I'm like everything I'm like wait I can't be a Walmart speaker and then like but it was those right questions that needed to be asked now I define my points into exactly what I speak about if you ask me in an elevator what I speak about I can tell you I I don't have to sound like oh yeah I speak like my life I went through a lot of hardship like I don't have to talk about that. I can yeah. show you your world without limits. That's what I do. That's, yeah. that's what I do for a living. So it gave me a clear, concise path. And what I found is I had this like huge energy of like, I want to do all these things. 
and it funnily down into here are the three, five, seven things you need to do today to make sure that your business is going to move forward tomorrow. Yeah. And that really helped me. That's awesome. Uh, all right. So I'm curious on a couple of things. One is that you mentioned you'd been doing a lot initially with nonprofits and then you started doing more with associations and corporations. Uh, so how are you making that shift um, and getting clear on who you speak to and, and, and the problem that you solve for them? Because like you touched on, a lot of speakers say, I just, I just want to speak, you know, like we touched on. And so we say, who do you speak to? I speak to people. I speak to anyone and everyone. What do I speak about? I, what do you want me to speak about? I'll speak about anything. Yeah. So how have you kind of navigated that? Cause it's such a huge challenge for speakers yeah. to figure out like, I just want to speak and I'm willing to go wherever the opportunities exist. So how did you kind of figure out and navigate? Okay. I started speaking to nonprofits. Now maybe I do a little bit of that, but I'm also doing more, you know, with corporate or, or some other um, uh, industry. And here's how I kind of landed on. Here's what I speak about and the problem that I solve. How have you kind of navigated that journey? So, I feel like it's kind of like saying like, I just want a vacation and people yeah. like, where? people like where? And you're like anywhere. Okay. But where are we going to go? Uh, anywhere. How are we going to get there? Anything like <laughs> at the end of the day, what you did was paralysis by analysis. You, you yeah. went nowhere fast because you wanted everything, which means yeah. you got nothing. And that's what I was doing. I was spinning my wheels like hard, but I was just going in circles. I was just taking nonprofits because that's what was coming to me. And that's what was the lowest hanging fruit in my mm -hmm. position. I would never think to reach out to the weirdest event, uh, American Pyrotechnics Association. How can I speak to people about fireworks? How is that possible? The reason I never ventured out with that is because I didn't know my message. Yeah. I knew what I wanted people to get kind of, but I didn't have a clear, concise message that I could extrapolate information to other facets of business and in life. Once I found that core message, once I found exactly what I spoke on, I'm like, okay, American Pyrotechnics Association, they have a concept of overcoming struggle in their industry after I researched their industry. And I'm like, I can make this super relevant. Yeah. I spoke in Uganda, Africa, and it was translated in a different dialect, but the concept of money and struggle are very easy to convey internationally, yeah. even in different dialects. I couldn't have done that if I didn't know exactly what my mission statement was. I, I couldn't do that if I didn't know exactly what my messaging was. You know, and that's the biggest problem is people just want to tell their story and not the message, not the, that core piece of information that can connect corporations, associations, schools. I can do all of these things now. Now corporations yeah. hire me because they know exactly what they're hiring me for. Yeah. You're not just hiring, oh, Chris, who has a disability and a disease and he has a power lifter. Like that's cool and all. But when I tell people uh, limitations are self-imposed and that can be a, a, an applied concept to any facet of business that just opened the doors for me for my speaking business. How do you balance the, that idea that you have a message that appeals to humans uh, at large and you've spoke to a bunch of different industries, you're getting invites from different industries. And so you mentioned like, you know, you may do something with a nonprofit, you may do something with a corporation, you may do something with a school, all very different. And so how have you kind of balanced the, I'm, tr I'm not, I don't want to be the buffet. I don't want to be the Walmart for anybody and everybody, but I do have other opportunities that are popping up that, uh, you know, are, are worth exploring. And so how are you kind of uh, balancing that? The amazing thing is this is my business. Yeah. I get to decide the trajectory of my business. And if this month or this quarter, I want to focus on medical pharmaceutical companies, I can do my, all my entire outreach based on medical pharmaceutical companies. I can exhaust my contact list for contacts in that industry, ask all the people I've developed relationships with, and say, hey, uh, do you have a connection with any of these people? And, or if I already know they do through LinkedIn or anything like that, I can exhaust that list. I can start outreach and I can focus on a specific area. 
if I want to focus on groups that talk about disability, especially disability inclusion or diversity, I can focus on those programs, bigger corporations or smaller corporations. I love corporations because I feel like real change can happen at a corporate level. uh, And I I love speaking at that. I just got, uh, I was doing outreach for universities and on my list of uh, like my Excel spreadsheet of outreach, it was a, a school in Australia happened to be a school in Australia and they, they, they bit and we had a conversation yesterday and I just booked that gig, a virtual gig, you know, a virtual gig. And it was what I learned in in your program is that a gig is not just a gig. A gig is an opportunity to develop a relationship and develop multiple things from that, even from Eric as well. Um, Instead of just doing a gig for the kids, I was like, why don't we also do a gig for the faculty? And they're like, we need to think about that. I'm like, why not do this? And then why not create some sort of continued education for, you know, diversity and inclusion. And they're like, we love this. And now they want like a different proposal. So it's understanding that sometimes when people come to you or when you reach out to people, they think they know what they want. Yeah. It's our job as speakers to facilitate that conversation, to make sure that they get as much impact and value as they need. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple other questions that come to mind. So one is that, um, uh, I know that you had, I know you mentioned this in uh, our private community, but you, uh, you did a gig that led to a $50,000 client, if I remember yes. correctly. Can you tell us that story? So in developing these relationships, I started pushing the envelope and asking for more. I started seeing my value and offering it even when it wasn't, you know, desired, so to speak. Right. But I saw that I, I always found the problem of the company or the corporation. And I was like, Hey, here's the issue. Here's the value points that I can offer. I definitely want to speak. And that was my biggest keynote to date, my highest paid keynote to date. They had already paid me twice for two different keynotes. I'm like, okay, they have funding, they have interest in me and they know my value and impact. Let's push this. So I was like, why don't we develop uh, a year long uh, relationship? I'll put together a proposal. I put together a proposal, including consulting, including workshops, including social media, including all kinds of things. And they said yes. And when they sent the figure, I screenshotted it and I posted it in the group. I'm like, holy, like, wow, what? <laughs> I was like, this has to be a mistake. But I've developed multiple partnerships like that now. And I've realized that speaking, you can get paid to speak on a stage, but you can also get paid for the relationships you build from that speech. You know, the, your job is not over once you, once you end your keynote. Yeah. Your job is over once you solidify those relationships. Because I have companies that I can reach out to at the drop of a hat and be like, hey, I'm looking to do an event like this with these kind of people. Do you have any connections? Like, oh, yeah, here's three people. Yeah. You know, I've, I've mastered my business now that I've mastered these relationships. Very cool. The, um, one of the things that you, you know, you, you touched on earlier is just kind of your own story that, uh, you have a disability, you have, um, one hand, you get the Lambo on the other hand, yeah. uh, you mentioned like you, you've dealt with some diabetes and some health issues. You're also like a powerlifting world champion. So people oftentimes assume that in order to be a, a professional speaker that you have to have overcome some different obstacles. And certainly you check the box on a few, those different things as far as like your, your resume, you know? So what would you say to that speaker who's going like, but I don't have a disability. I haven't really had any health issues. I'm not any powerlifting champion. I, I, I just don't check the box on any of those things. What would you I, say to them? I did that a hundred percent. And I, I agree with that feeling because I've had it. I, I'm not charging $20,000 for a talk. I'm not 
as disabled as some of these other speakers making so much money. I'm not Nick V or uh, Gary yeah. V or Tony Robbins. I'm not Eric Thomas. I'm not getting $100,000 for a speech. Does that make me less of a person? No. Okay. Instead of focusing on what I don't have or, or comparing myself to someone else, apples to oranges, what can I do with where I'm at right now? Like what, what can I offer? Instead of what do other people offer? That does nothing for me. Yeah. What, I could question my entire life about having a disability. It's not good or bad. It just is, you know, my question is what value can I bring to the table? That's it. That's all I focus on. Yeah. I, I fully believe that a story does not matter because everyone has a story. And to be honest, everyone listening right now has the exact same story as me. The exact you, you do as well, Grant. And I'll go through this. You went through some crap, you got over some crap and there's some more crap coming. We all have the exact same story. It doesn't matter about the story. It matters about the message. It matters about how you package that message and what's your intent behind it. What's your delivery behind it? What is, what relationship are you building with these people on stage and off stage? So if you notice everything I said has nothing to do with disability or being different and everything to do with how you're building your business, how you're building your message and how you're delivering your message. So um, if you think you need to be disabled to deliver a good message, that just means the message isn't there for you yet. And you need to really work on that. If you think that because you're disabled, you will be a great speaker. I promise you that's not, that's not true. There are so many people who have accomplished amazing feats and they're not only pretty bad speakers, but they don't have a good speaking business. Yep. Yep. Very true. So, uh, in the thick, we're, we're recording this right now, still in the thick of, uh, of COVID land. And so, uh, th- this has obviously impacted the speaking industry dramatically. How have you kind of shifted and evolved over the past several months? Well, the, the first week COVID hit, I convinced myself that I need to go on Craigslist and find a new job. <laughs> so after I allowed myself that dark period of like life sucks, um, I snapped out of it. I'm super realistic with people. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not Tony Robbins. I'm not a person who's like, rah, rah. I'm a human. And I feel like everyone is. And we all go through these ups and downs. I, I pulled myself out of that thing. And I, I started going through some of the training again. I was like, wait, how can we apply this to virtual? We can still speak. And yep. technically we get paid to deliver a message. We don't get paid to travel. We don't get paid to check a bag. We don't get paid to walk in the airport or sleep on comfy hotel sheets. We get paid to deliver a message to an audience. How is that different than virtual? Why can't we also do that? Maybe we have to take a little bit less money, but that means we can meet, reach a lot more people. Mm-hmm. You can do seven keynotes in one day virtually. I've done two keynotes in two different states in one day, and that was exhausting. Yeah, yeah. But virtually, the opportunities are endless. We have a ton of people that we built outreach for. Why not reach back out to them and say, hey, we're doing virtuals. All these other companies have taken advantage of it. Why not do that? Yeah. I've pivoted hard and I absolutely love where I'm at. It's probably going to change the game for me moving forward. I'm probably going to take more high-end gigs in person and a lot more virtually at home. Very it gives me the freedom. I can take a virtual in a different state because I'm vacationing or traveling and not just because I have to go there. Yeah. So I feel like this COVID has given me a chance to step back and reevaluate my business to bulletproof it through any sort of fallout again, regardless of what it could be. So I I'm doing virtuals now I'm working on sponsorships for virtuals so I can work with companies or associations or nonprofits that can't afford to pay the full amount, but I can get a company to step in and sponsor it. I'm changing my outreach. I'm changing my speaker demo reel 
which is the, I haven't changed it in a, in a while, but adding more virtual stuff. So I can use that as a specific pitch in my outreach, especially to the warm leads that I have from the relationships I've built in learning how to do outreach. So it's all possible. It's not something we really want. We never wanted this to happen, but the best companies and businesses survive based off adapting. And my entire life has been adapting. Yeah. So, so fast forward to this point where we are right now, if we look back over the past couple of years, I mean, it sounds like, can you give us any ballpark here? How many gigs have you done? Any rough estimate on how many people you spoke to or, or uh, how much revenue that you've earned in that time? So realistically, I think we're approaching a hundred gigs. Um, probably a, a little bit over a hundred gigs. I'd say maybe a little less than half of them were pretty high paying. So there's a decent amount of money that's been made, but more so the continuing business off each of them. Yeah. Um, if we added the gig amounts, plus the, the business that came from those gigs, mm -hmm. um, definitely six figures. Last year was a six figure year for me for sure. That's cool. So, uh, Congrats, man. That's awesome. I, I appreciate that. And I think that I thought that's what I truly wanted, but I realized like we chase numbers. And for me, I set like number goals. Like, oh, if I break that six figure yeah. mark, you realize one, you're not a millionaire. And even if you're a millionaire, you probably have millionaire, you know, debt, which is completely different. But I realized that what I truly wanted more than the money or along with the money is the ability to have a sustainable business. Yeah. The ability to feel like I can do this continually and that I don't have to constantly hustle and chase and chase and chase. That's what I do in terms of outreach, but I don't feel stressed out about it because I know the relationships that I've built have allowed me to be very stable in what I'm doing. And I'm yeah. so thankful for being able to build those relationships and not just treat people like uh, money factors, you know? Yeah. So if you were to give advice to yourself three years ago or the speakers that may be listening now of going, okay, this worked, it, it ultimately led to what I wanted, but if I was going to do it differently or perhaps a, a quicker shortcut route, uh, what, what advice would you give to them now? If I saw this right now, I would be like, this guy is BSing me. And I would tell you to join the speaker lab, or at least the community in Facebook or message me. And I'll show you my pay stubs. I, I have no problem doing that because I was skeptical as well. I was yeah. super skeptical, not only of the speaker lab, but of people actually making money as speakers because it doesn't sound right. Um, if I could go back, I would do the business the right way the first time, along with putting the effort in into becoming a better speaker. I would have had a speaker's demo reel within the first month or two of becoming a speaker. I would have recorded every single event. If I would have recorded these events, I'd have so much footage even on my phone. I told myself, if it wasn't perfect, you shouldn't record it. And that was a lie. That was a lie. Because there's so much you can grab from B-roll to having flashes of 50 events, people know you're a speaker. Yeah. No one wants to hire a speaker if they don't speak. Yeah. You know? And I would have started outreach. I wouldn't have got comfortable with events coming to me. I would have established my value. And I would have done a little bit less in the beginning to make sure I maintain that value. Yeah. Very cool. Hey, uh, Chris, we appreciate the time. And if people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can we go? Absolutely. My name is Chris Rudin and uh, I'm on Instagram, YouTube, and my website is chrisrudin.com. If you guys have any questions as the new speaker or established speaker, you ever want to throw any questions around, I'm here. Feel free to message me. Awesome. Chris, thanks for the time, man. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab Podcast. And before you take off, don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps it helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. Again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support, ads, as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.